Welcome to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. My name is John Sheck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. I went to seminary at Princeton Theological Seminary, and when I was in seminary, I learned historical criticism. I learned about uh, understanding the history of the church, uh, the history of biblical studies, the historical Jesus. And then I got the message, the message from the professors, the message from other students, the message from church leaders was, that's all nice that you learned that, but don't tell people in the congregation because it'll destroy their faith. So we had to learn all of this wonderful stuff and then forget it. I decided that I wasn't going to do that. And so my ministry for the past 20 years, and I hope it will continue, is to let the cat out of the bag, is to let people know in my congregation what I actually learned in seminary. And I discovered that people actually liked hearing it, that they were interested and they were upset that they hadn't heard this information from the pulpit before. I'm honored to present to you today's guest, who is also a person who lets the cat out of the bag. My guest is Reverend David Felton. He is a pastor of the Fountains, United Methodist Church in Fountain Hills, Arizona, but he's much more than that. He, along with co-author Jeff Proctor Murphy, have written a book called Living the Questions, The Wisdom of Progressive Christianity, and that is based on a DVD series called Living the Questions that explores progressive religion and progressive Christianity for congregations and for interested people. And he's my guest to talk about the book and the DVD. Series. Uh, welcome, David, to Religion for Life. Great to be with you, John. Tell us about this book, Living the Questions, the Wisdom of Progressive Christianity, and your DVD series. How did they come together? Well, they all came together uh, a number of years ago as my colleague Jeff and I started to uh, look around and see that at a lot of the places where we would go, say if we would go to a seminar or, or maybe a Jesus seminar kind of thing, that we were absolutely, by 20 years, the youngest people there. Hmm. And we thought, wow, if uh, somebody doesn't do something to get this word out to a younger generation, then it's just going to evaporate again and have to get jump-started in the next generation. So we uh, looked around and we began inviting people to Phoenix to videotape them, among them the usual suspects, Marcus Borg and Dom Crossan and Jack Spong and Matt Fox and Amy Jill Levine and uh, th- those kind of folks to, to uh, be part of our pastor's school in our annual conference of the United Methodist Church or just on our own at our churches. We got videotapes of them and the intention was to do a, a program uh, for our local churches, that would be kind of an antidote to the Alpha program, mm-hmm. uh, modeled very much on the Alpha program with the with the shared meal and all of that. But uh, we wanted to make it uh, something that would generate conversation that led to more questions rather than providing a nice little uh, package at the end with a doctrinal uh, answer, um, which led to our calling the program "Living the Questions." We we really didn't know when we started that it was going to become as popular as it's become. But uh, it was obvious when we started to put together the material that most of the people we were videotaping were all speaking about the same themes that are some of the mainstays of, of progressive Christianity so that we could kind of uh, 
cut and paste them as they were into uh, into video programs that became even more powerful because you had this variety of people basically all saying the same thing in different ways uh, that really generated a lot of questions and conversation among lay people not the least of which is why haven't we heard this before what you know who's been keeping this from us so we really knew we had something and uh, we put the word out and it just hasn't it hasn't slowed down since uh, since we began it's been very very well received. Well, when did you begin? Uh, we started doing the videotaping back in the early 2000s and uh, started uh, releasing the DVDs in about 2005 with our first series. Um, we, again, modeled it after uh, the, the Alpha series where people got together to, to talk and chat and, and visit. Um, but it turned out that, uh, wow, there was so much in each program in each session that people were having trouble getting through them in just one session. Um, and I guess Jeff and I both realized that it was really hard to cram three years of seminary into 12 uh, sessions. So um, we decided uh -huh. to expand it. So the next version was 21 sessions, and we kind of focused in a little bit more on uh, some things that people had asked about, like, can you say more about atonement, or can you say more about uh, violence. Can you say more about what the progressive take on theology in general is? Um, so that's where we went then, and it's been something that we've continued to expand on with different programs, including uh, some that focus on individual people. Um, we had uh, uh, Sister Helen Prejean focus on the death penalty, and uh, she's got her own program. We had uh, uh, Walter Brueggemann focus on living in a consumer culture uh, with uh, focusing on Exodus. Um, and then we expanded into other programs with uh, Dom Crossan and Marcus Borg on uh, both Paul and on Jesus. And then we uh, proceeded with the, a program called Saving Jesus that focused just on uh, the person of Jesus, uh, historical and otherwise, and that's a 12-session program that has been really, really well received because we get into a lot more details about uh, what is being taught in seminaries, uh, what is being discussed out there in academia about Jesus. And it's really news to a lot of people. In fact, um, one of the things that Jeff and I continue to experience is we we tend to try and work on sermons together since we both have young families. So we will help out by uh, uh, sharing the, the prep for sermons and things like that, alternating each week. And so often our sermons will have similar content and similar uh, material, uh, but they're, they're uniquely ours. But regardless of that, we have a lot of people coming out and saying, why haven't I heard that before? And where did you get that? And you know, if this has been around for so long, why hasn't anyone told us about it? And so that's kind of been uh, the mission of Living the Questions in the long run, is uh, to try and get people exposed to a lot of these theological trends and ideas that have been essentially taught in our seminaries and uh, religious schools for going on a hundred years now, uh, but for a variety of reasons just don't get into the into the pulpit they um they don't trickle down
My guest on Religion for Life, if you're just joining us, is David Felton, a minister in Arizona and co-producer of DVD series called Living the Questions. You know, you you mentioned that uh, people will often come up and say, why haven't I heard this before? What what is the answer to why? Why haven't people uh, heard this information that has been in the seminaries that you and I both learned? I mean, I have a hunch of an answer, but maybe you have more of of an explicit one. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think it, it's multifaceted. Uh, it's a complex answer, but it boils down to essentially economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the institution of the church has gotten itself painted into a corner so that uh, people expect a certain message from the church and they expect a, a certain way of being about the church. And uh, to question that message, to maybe suggest that there's something more or deeper or broader uh, calls into question a lot of the things that has gone before. Um, I mean, I go back to when my uncle was retiring. Um, I was coming into the ministry about the time he was retiring, and he'd served some of the largest churches, uh, most uh, uh, well-off churches in Arizona. And as he retired, he looked at me and he said, Um, man, I'm going to be so happy to be retired because now I can actually say what I believe. Ah, that is Um, so distressing to hear that, but I know what you're saying. Go ahead. And and so I've now heard that, sharing that story with other retired clergy, I get uh, the same word over and over and over again with a, with no small amount of guilt, Mm -hmm. uh, basically saying, wow, if only we would have been honest about what we learned in seminary and what we were thinking and struggling with on our own spiritual lives, maybe the church would be in a different place now because people would see it as a place where questions of integrity were honored. Yeah, uh, and and uh, so it's kind of, we've got the seminary, and then it ran into the pulpit, and it never really went any farther than that. It just kind of stopped there uh, for, for all kinds of reasons, for reasons of security, for reasons of economics, for reasons of don't rock the boat. And, uh, <laughs> and so I commend you for uh, going ahead and, making a resource where there was none. Uh, had, did you, had you have, um, you know, experience in uh, videography, and or did you just kind of learn all that as you went along? <laughs> well, at first it was really by the seat of our pants. Fortunately, Jeff had uh, an interest in videography and video editing, and it's amazing what, uh, what basically commercial-level video editing is available uh, on your computer. So we basically did it on our own at first. We gathered together people in our own churches that had skills in the areas of graphic arts and uh, music and all the other things that it took to pull this together. So it was really a community effort. Um, and now we look back on that first one and think, wow, um, it was, it was, uh, it was very sincere. <laughs> but now we are able to uh, use some more uh, you know, high definition cameras and, uh, you know, professional editing and things like that. So the end product is, is, uh, a lot more beautiful. Uh, but the material is what's really important. We kept reminding ourselves that it, in the end, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It is the content that is just, I, I hate to say it's revolutionary because it's not, it's so old. Um, but when people hear it, they think that it's revolutionary. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about the content a second. Living the Questions uh, DVD series, David Felton, my guest. Uh, what is progressive about 
progressive Christianity. Uh, let's take a specific one. Let's talk about Jesus. What? Wh- how is Jesus different uh, from the people you've interviewed on Living the Questions from the Jesus that you get from uh, Methodist headquarters or Presbyterian headquarters or wherever? Well, I think that, that what we get from most of our institutional churches is an established, doctrinally approved uh, creedal Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we get from people that are really digging into the historical Jesus and at the same time embracing the Christ of faith for our lives today is a much richer picture of who Jesus was as a human being, someone that we can relate to as human beings, and um, not someone that we can just stand back and go, ooh, he walked on water, or ooh, he healed the sick, or whatever. It's much more, um, all right, folks, what are you going to do now to be the incarnation, the embodiment of Christ here in the world today? So that's been one of the the major things, and it's 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 been walking people across that line of saying that Christianity is about believing the right stuff over into the realm of okay, what are you going to do now to respond to the call of Jesus on your life to really make a difference in the world? Because you know, case in point is the whole kingdom of God uh, language. A lot of people still associate the kingdom of God with the hereafter and some heavenly reward for doing right by God here in this life. But clearly, when you look at what Jesus is talking about in the text, he's talking about the kingdom of God is here and now, and that we're supposed to be taking part in it. I I did this um, kind of unscientific survey for a few months where I was just asking clergy, laity, everybody I could meet, Uh, what the good news is. I mean, that seems like it'd be something that most Christians could just rattle off right away. Um, But it's been surprising because probably 90% or more of the people say that the good news is that Jesus died for my sins so that I can go go to heaven. I mean, it's a very kind of personalized kind of of good news. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you actually look at the text, when you look at Mark and other places, like really early on in Jesus' ministry where it says, He went about Galilee preaching the good news. Hang on. Was Jesus walking up to people and saying, Hi, I'm Jesus. I died for your sins so you could go to heaven. I I mean, that makes absolutely no sense. The good news has nothing to do with Jesus dying for your sins so that you could go to heaven. It has everything to do with, according to Jesus, the kingdom of God being here and now, and that we're supposed to take part in it, that we're supposed to, in in that parlance, Jesus is opposing the kingdom of Caesar and promoting the kingdom of God. Right. So, and it's a whole new way of understanding Jesus as opposed to kind of a supernatural pre-modern uh, mythology. He becomes uh, a real person uh, who has, uh, we worry about his ethics and his teaching and about living into his vision. Absolutely. It's someone that we can emulate instead of just worship. And I'm thinking of your congregation, which I'm uh, assuming is accepting of all of your radical, heretical views and uh, and embracing that, that you haven't driven everyone away and you're doing okay out there in Phoenix. Well, fortunately, when I was appointed by the bishop a number of years ago, uh, enough people Googled me uh, and left the church before I even arrived. Um, <laughs> all right. 
Well, that's what that's sometimes that, that's what needs to happen. But I think some of the fear. Uh, I, I look. I think of my colleagues here. I'm just kind of going on a rant here, David. But I think of my colleagues, and, and they're afraid to talk about uh, new scholarship because they think that they have to give the message the same old thing, or people will leave and no more money will come. But frankly, uh, I think you are showing, and uh, and the DVDs that you're showing to many progressive congregations is showing that uh, no, actually, people are hungry for this and interested in this. Well, that's one of the things I've been trying to get across to our colleagues, and a lot of them get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ones that, that take the, the confident step into this progressive realm have experienced uh, a great uh, rise in enthusiasm and attendance. Uh, you know, we're a growing and vital church here in Fountain Hills. Um, and uh, on the flip side, we get emails all the time from people at Living the Questions from folks who've said, our pastor has forbidden us from doing this program any longer. And so now we're doing it, you know, just at someone's home, you know, so we can continue doing it. But they're afraid that it's going to, you know, break up the church or whatever. And, you know, sometimes huh. I, I think that uh, there needs to be some cage rattling going on um, because people are just way comfortable in the old way of doing things. And as people have said so many times before, you know, that you keep just doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And that's kind of the way our churches are, are going right now. Here at the Fountains, we have been very uh, fortunate to get the word out, and we've got people coming who uh, the words I hear are liberated, uh, freed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, people are so grateful. Um, my, my wife has told me I have the, the, the spiritual gift of making 70 year old engineers cry. Um, mm-hmm. because I will say something in a service about, um, you know, that say there are two creation stories and they were never meant to be taken literally there. Uh, you know, it's about the why of creation and not the how of creation and blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, a 70-year-old engineer will come up to me in tears after the service and say, if only I would have heard that 40 years ago, I wouldn't have left the church because I just, you know. I, I mean, and these are the kind of people that I want in the church. They're people that have integrity and, and say, I can't be a part of the church if they're going to continue to to spout that kind of stuff that doesn't make any uh, logical or rational sense. And those are the people that are ending up leaving the church when they are just the kind of people that would energize and really help move uh, the message of the gospel forward. Um, but instead, there's a lot of fear, and you just want to hold on to the people that a lot of people just want to hold on to the folks that uh, are all about maintaining the status quo. And Reverend David Felton is doing nothing of the kind. He is co-producer with uh, Jeff Proctor Murphy of Living the Questions, a DVD educational series for congregations and um, and individuals, and is also the author of the book uh, Living the Questions, The Wisdom of Progressive Christianity. Uh, your uh, denomination affiliation is Methodist, uh, mine's Presbyterian. I, I kind of wonder, how much time do you spend in, in those kinds of denominational battles? I sometimes feel, personally, at another rant, I'm kind of dragging along an anvil uh, to move us along. Um, uh, for example, you have been uh, outspoken and uh, of uh, for GLBT rights in both uh, church and community at large. How does that uh, play with your denominational connections? 
Well, I think that in the Western jurisdiction, of which Jeff and I are both a part here in Arizona, um, a collective decision has been made uh, for uh, biblical disobedience, mm -hmm. that we as a jurisdiction are not going to obey the, uh, the, the precepts that the general church has continued to hang on to. Um, and so we're coming to a place where there are going to be some hard decisions that are going to need to be made by a denomination as a whole. It's really complex with, uh, uh, with the central conferences of Africa and Eastern Europe that are now part of the, the general church, which are theologically and culturally more conservative. Um, so we've got to figure out what's going on as we move ahead, because the American experience of United Methodism is of itself very diverse. So there's a a southeastern jurisdiction experience, and there is a western jurisdiction experience. And we need to figure out if we can continue to live together and work together, or if there's going to have to be some parting of the ways. And that's um, something that, that may be coming to, to pass sooner than later, uh, as you said, over the GLBT issue. But it, it's more than that, because yes. um, it's interpretation of Scripture. It's about holding on to things that... Um, um, We've been posting these uh, little, you know, posters on Facebook on Living the Questions Facebook page, and uh, one of them was of Matthew Fox um, mm -hmm. saying, uh, "Hey, you know, original sin. It was a bad idea from the beginning. Uh, it was really tied to Augustine's obsession uh, with sex. We really need to get rid of it. It needs to be done. We need to get over this whole thing." And it just went crazy viral on, online with people sharing it thousands of times and lots of comments and it just going all over the place. So I thought, hey, well, why not uh, uh, take the next step? Easter was coming up. So we had a posted a quote from Robin Myers that uh, basically he's the author of, of uh, Saving Jesus from the Church and a number of other really great books. And, and uh, uh, I think you interviewed him recently. And, yes, about uh, the underground church, his new book. Yeah, and the underground church. And, and he basically was saying, you know, uh, resurrection is not about beam me up, Scotty. It's not about atoms. <laughs> it's not about this. It's, it's, and we basically was saying it, it's, it's more, uh, it's a way of being. It's a, it's a metaphor. It's not literal. And oh my gosh, that just got unbelievable, hateful kind of things. Um, people, it created a firestorm. Robin had to go on and write a, a follow up and everything about, um, what he meant, which he still meant what he meant, but he wanted to clarify it for people. Um, and so we have some some lines in the sand still. People are happy to get rid of original sin. Um, but boy, don't touch my literal resurrection, because that is the critical thing about being a Christian. If that didn't happen literally and physically, then forget it. I'm out of here. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we, we really have to wrestle with is trying to move people along uh, in steps that uh, that they're willing to make. And, uh, you know, some people would, would call it a, a slippery slope, but what I have come to think of it as is, is more being like an archaeologist, where we're, we're kind of sweeping away all of this stuff that has, that has you know, come and covered up all of the gems, all of the, the valuable treasures that are there. And we collectively have to really work at getting down to the base of uh, what we're on about and get rid of all that other stuff. Uh, so that's been the challenge. And that's been one of the, the real joys of working within a community because uh, 
uh, be it the community of, of people that are friends on our Facebook page or my own community here at the fountains is you get great feedback, great conversations. And I think that in the end is one of the things that is not a possibility in some of our more conservative traditions. And yeah, and living the questions as the, the DVD series and the book is living the questions, the wisdom of progressive Christianity, David Felton, my guest. Uh, and, and really the, the thing, uh, what the, if the, if there's a bottom line in all of this, uh, it seems to me that it's, it's questions rather than answers. I see on bumper stickers, it says, Jesus is the answer. And you're saying, Hey, what's the question? Uh, and, and it's a, a very different approach to issues of faith and meaning and morality is that it's an ongoing question and not, being afraid to enter into them and not settling uh, for provisional answers as absolute answers. Uh, would you say that's kind of a, a one of the basic premises of progressive Christianity or your work as uh, on living the questions? Absolutely. And I, you know, it goes back to, to my experience at Boston University School of Theology when I had a Hebrew scripture professor who was full of all kinds of, of great little sayings and, and uh, wise remarks. And one of his was uh, um, true wisdom, or the beginning of true wisdom, is asking the questions for which there are no answers. Um, very rabbinical, very, um, very much rooted in, in uh, that Jewish tradition of, of always asking questions, of always, uh, like Israel, right, the character, uh, wrestling with God, wrestling with that angel. It's all about uh, moving ahead by uh, being in a conversation and being in a relationship that moves you ahead. And to do that in community so that you're not just spinning off uh, on your own is really important. And that's why uh, the program of Leading the Questions has been so valuable because people who have for years been sitting quietly alone with these thoughts come to us and say, oh my gosh, it is so wonderful to find other people who are thinking the same thing. I thought I was all alone, but I didn't want to say anything because I think people would say I was a heretic. And to find out that the church is full of heretics is such a joy for people. That is such a joy. The church is full of heretics. You are not alone. Uh, David Felton, my guest, livingthequestions.com is the website. I just have about a minute left. You've got a couple of exciting programs that you're working on uh, now. What's coming up? Well, one of them that's coming up here this summer is called Painting the Stars, and it's uh, a discussion of science uh, religion and, uh, and an evolving faith. So it's using the metaphor of evolution to talk about faith, which is oh, something great. that's really uh, popular right now and, and uh, a vital direction that folks are going. Um, so we're excited about that one. And we're also in the process of working on a program on Islamophobia that will help local churches get to know their uh, Muslim neighbors and find out ways that we can work together to uh, eliminate the kind of fear and suspicion that uh, has led to all kinds of ugly situations in our country around misunderstanding who Muslims are and what Islam is. Good stuff. David Felton uh, and uh, Jeff Proctor Murphy, co-authors of Living the Questions, The Wisdom of Progressive Christianity, and the DVD series of Living the Questions with exciting programs uh, to... uh, uh, enhance your faith, your life, livingthequestions.com. David, thank you for this work, and uh, thank you for spending time with me on Religion for Life. Thanks so much. It's been great. You've been listening to Religion for Life, a program at the intersection of religion, social justice, and public life. 
My name is John Sheck. I'm the minister of the First Presbyterian Church of Elizabethton, Tennessee. Our website is fpcelizabethton.org. You can find more information about Religion for Life at the website religionforlife.com. Go there for links to podcasts and information about upcoming shows. Religion for Life is also on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes. Religion for Life is co-produced by WETS-FM on the campus of East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee, and WEHC-FM on the campus of Emory and Henry College in Emory, Virginia. This is Cheryl Crow, Letter to God. Be well.